Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we thank you for your favor and mercy in our lives. Your goodness and your grace is all we have, and we thank you for it. So we will tell of your goodness to all that we come in contact with. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word tonight. We ask that you might open our minds to the truths of your word. We pray for those who join us who cannot be with us in this building tonight. We pray for the ministries of our church as they go on, the various Bible studies tonight all around us. May you, may you show us your word tonight and help us to understand what you have for us today. It's good for us to be together. We pray for that one you've put on our heart today, that they might find Jesus Christ and that their lives, they might glorify God in all that they do. May they come to glorify God in their lives that we, we present this, the particular people or the one that burdens us tonight. We thank you, Lord, now for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, Lori. Do we have any sound at all? We do. Can you turn it up any? Can you bring it up some? Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, find your place in Exodus. Thank you, Lori. Chapter number 7. We're going to look at Exodus 7 and go through chapter 11, but we'll not look at all the verses. We'll give you an outline tonight of that. Those of you who are joining us, may the Lord bless you. We're glad that you're with us. Last week we saw that uh, the Lord promised that what He was going to do, and he, he promised it based upon who He is. He said, I am the Lord. God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, verse 2. Verse 6, say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord. Verse number 8, I will bring you uh, to the land which I swore to, to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you for possession. I am the Lord. And uh, then we saw at the very end, he says to Again, he says in verse 28, Now it came about on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses and said, He said to Moses while he was in Egypt now, not by the burning bush, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And this is what we talked about last week, that we must recognize who God is and what He is doing. We recognize the great I Am has revealed Himself in the Lord Jesus Christ, God in flesh. The Lord Jesus has come. He is the great I Am. Praise God for that. So as Moses begins his mission, he is reminded again that he goes in the name of God. He goes in the name and power of God. And that God's work is going to be done regardless of how Pharaoh and Egypt responds. In fact, he's talked about how Pharaoh will respond and tonight our focus is this, God, uh, God's judgment will come on unrepentant sinners. You know, this topic and matter of judgment and, and sinners and repentance uh, is not such a popular thing in the world, never has really actually been a very popular thing. But the Word of God reminds us, and we have some really important, valuable lessons that we learn tonight about God's judgment the way God judges and the way people respond and the danger of uh, 
unrepentance leading to hardness of heart. And I remind you that in your own families, my family, and in, in the world in which we live on this planet tonight, the vast majority of people, especially those who are of adult age, their hearts have become hardened to the truth of God's Word. If they've heard the gospel, have they responded? So we think tonight about a very sobering subject. We think about God's judgment that is coming. Uh, this is an example of what happened to Pharaoh and his hard-heartedness as a picture of what is true for many, many who have heard the gospel through the days and have not responded to it. So what I'll do is we'll, we'll spend our time and I'll, I'll build my uh, comments primarily from the first seven verses of chapter seven. Then beginning in chapter seven all the way to 11, we have all of the great plagues that come, the judgment of God that comes on, uh, Israel, on, from, on Pharaoh because he would not allow Israel to go and he, Pharaoh would not obey the word of God. So let's read together. Beginning in chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I make you as God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall speak to Pharaoh, that he will let the sons of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders, in the land of Egypt. When Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, that is Israel, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the sons of Israel from their midst. So Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, thus they did. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of your word and give us understanding tonight by the Holy Spirit in these very sober matters we look at tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So here are the essential principles that I want you to see tonight on the outline. God always sends a messenger or messengers with his word to warn unrepentant sinners of coming judgment. Secondly, unrepentant sinners harden their hearts. And what does hardening your heart mean? It means to refuse or to resist, to obey God's word of warning of coming judgment. Resistance and refusal to repent, to obey God. And then third, God in His time brings promised judgment on unrepentant sinners. Number four, God always protects His people in times of judgment that comes on unrepentant sinners. And when God's judgment comes on unrepentant sinners, they see the glorious power of God. God's power is displayed in the judgments of God. God's power is displayed in saving those who believe in Jesus Christ, but God's power is also seen and His glory is seen in His judgments on sin and sinners who will not repent. God hears the prayers of, of the intercessors who pray for 
the unrepentant sinner. There's so many things we could look at, so many different themes that we could cover, but I again bring you back to this statement in verse number four, when Pharaoh does not listen to you, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel, from the land of Egypt by great judgments. So we have this occasion of the great judgments of God that came upon Egypt because Pharaoh refused to obey God. And then we have in the book of Revelation those uh, promised uh, judgments that are also going to come upon the earth on the great day of the Lord at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many parallels. We remind ourselves tonight that the reason why we share the gospel is so that people will not have to experience the judgment of God. That's why we do what we do. That's why we share the gospel. We share the gospel so that people might avoid the horrible, terrible judgments of God which are coming. You know, in the meantime, the great judgment of God comes. What did the Lord Jesus say? God so loves the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but they'll have everlasting life. But in the verse, we're reminded that those who will not believe will perish. So every day, think about it, every day, as every day starts and every day ends while I'm speaking all the way through this day, there are those who have died. Will they spend eternity in heaven experiencing eternal life because they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will they die and spend eternity separated from God in hell? That great judgment of God, which comes the perishing of a sinner eternally because of an unwillingness to repent of their sins. Dear people, this is such an important issue. It's such a vital issue. It is what must drive us in our hearts uh, to share the gospel with people who are like Pharaoh. Do you know anyone in your circle of friends or in your family who's living as a hardened sinner, unwilling to listen to God's word, unwilling to hear the preaching of the truth, dismisses it, resists it, refuses it, makes fun of it, marginalizes it, ignores it. All around us, these people are, 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 are around us. They, sometimes they sit at our table, they're in our families. Uh, sometimes they work beside us. Sometimes they're our neighbor on either side of us. The reality is that tonight we must see the importance of this and my prayer is, is that it would stir our hearts. This would not just be another exercise tonight where we go through uh, knowing who's here in the building with me. I don't know who all is listening, uh, but uh, most of you know this, these stories and these judgments of God very well, but I want you to see behind them these truths that ought to sober us. So what I've done is uh, do this in a little bit different way. I'm, I'm going to use the principles from the first seven verses, and then I'll try to take you through, and, and I've, I've just, I've collected them up and printed them for you so you don't have to try to turn to all of these in your Bible. It would take us too long to do that, so I'm doing this for you tonight, and I think it will help us. Let's start, first of all, God always sends a messenger with his word to warn unrepentant sinners of coming judgment. So how did we leave Moses last week? Moses, in his pitiful, pitiful 
crying to God. How many times is he going to say this and God's going to ignore him? God had provided for him. Here we have it again, verse 30, 6, 30. Moses says, just after the Lord says, I am the Lord, I am with you. Just after the Lord says, I'm going to, after God has told him everything that's going to happen ahead of time, after God has told him everything he's going to do for him, after everything that God's told him he's going to do, and still we have Moses. Behold, I am unskilled in speech. How then will Pharaoh listen to me? How will he listen to me? I've heard people say this all of my ministry life. Well, Pastor Mike, I'm not a preacher like you. How's somebody going to listen to me if I try to tell them about Jesus? They're going to listen if you will simply say this. Here's what I was like before I was saved. Here's how I came to be saved. And here's how my life has changed since I've been saved. You give your testimony. You don't have to answer all their questions about the dinosaurs. You don't have to talk about the created order and evolution. You don't have to talk about you know, space aliens and all of the crazy things people bring. You keep the discussion on this. I know I have sinned and I sinned in my life greatly, but I found Jesus Christ who saved me from my sins and I'm a different person now because of that. You don't have to be skilled. You don't have to preach what people need to hear is your personal words about how God has changed your life. That's what they need to hear so desperately in our world today. So God always sends a messenger with His word. But He's sent, and what is this Bible filled with? Well, it's filled with these prophets. We've spent, we've spent many years together on Wednesday nights looking at, particularly at a lot of the Old Testament material that has to do with these great prophecies of God as He sent prophet after prophet. And what happened? Why, later on, Israel even ignored the prophets of God, didn't listen to them, and killed them. And then what do they do when the Lord Jesus, when God sends His own Son to warn? They crucify Him. So it is a matter of God to always have those who speak for Him. So as Peter says, so I try to practice this in my own ministry. So speak as those who speak on behalf of God. First Peter talking about using your spiritual gifts. So as your preacher, as the man assigned to do that here, I'm going to do that. I try to do it with all seriousness and soberness because the time is short. And I won't always stand here and talk to you. And you won't always be here. And so we have a little time. So we must use our time to our benefit. And not think of ourselves and presume I have all of these extra days. Unless you know something that we don't all know, God hasn't told you how many days you have. So you must redeem your time and you must maximize your days. So when the Word of God is spoken to us and the preached Word is given to us as those who come to this church, we hear it as the Word of God. And hopefully messengers like me and teachers that you have and our teachers in our church don't get in the way of the message of God. You see, Moses was worried about his speaking as if he was the persuader. God is the persuader by the Holy Spirit. We are those who speak His Word and leave that in the hands of God. I truly mean it. 
When I preach God's Word here at this church for all these years I've been here and all the other years I've done it, I really don't worry a lot about whether people respond or don't. God's Word does not return void. It accomplishes its purposes. Sometimes the Word of God persuades and convinces, but listen, sometimes the Word of God hardens people. That's what the culture doesn't want to hear today. They don't want to hear Christians. They want us to be silent and quiet and just go to our little meetings and don't speak out, don't stand up, don't speak against the wickedness of the world and the godlessness of the world. Don't stand up and say anything. Just, just be, you just be good little Christians and go to your little meetings and just be good. It's interesting that the early church stood against Rome and stood against Caesar. And there were those who were martyred and yet as they were killed, the church continued to grow and the gospel continued to spread. How I pray, how I pray that we will do this in our days. Only Moses and Aaron were sent to stand before the greatest most powerful governmental leader of his day, Pharaoh. Two men in their 80s carrying a staff. I just want you to think about what I'm saying here. They didn't bring an army to the gates of the Egyptian kingdom. They came walking up looking like two pitiful old shepherds with a staff in their hands. But they had the word of God in their mouths. That's what God's trying to do in the world today. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He said that to every disciple of Jesus Christ, including you who are here tonight. Go make a disciple. Go tell. Go be my witnesses. In whatever condition you're in. See, I make you as God. Verses 1 and 2. I make you as God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. It was interesting that God would have Moses be like a God because this would be the only way. You see, Pharaoh and all of his kingdom and the ancient uh, religions, these ancient uh, pagan religions and practices of the Pharaoh, we know much about them because of archaeologists and the architecture in their pyramids so I will make you as a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Interesting. Moses as if he is a god, but one day God sent his son. Fully God, fully man. God has come in flesh to this world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. You shall speak all that I command you. So say everything. You see, this is it. So maybe I should have said, well, you know, if I was going to be the contemporary guy, I don't want you to feel bad tonight. Oh, we're all under such pressure. Why in the world would Pastor Mike want to come up there and talk about judgment tonight? Maybe I should just skip over that. Skip over the parts in the Bible that we really think are a little hard. No, we have to talk about everything the Bible says. Everything that's written to us is for our instruction, including the hardest parts. Ryan these days is in the book of Judges. Hard words. Hard, hard chapters in Judges. Because everybody lived and did whatever they wanted to do 
In their own eyes, everything they did was right. Does that sound familiar? So here's this man of God, Moses, and his brother, the man of God. And they're sent to Pharaoh, and they're to speak all that he commands. And here's what you shall say. Let the sons of Israel go out of the land. That's their sermon. That's the message. Pharaoh, and we see it over and over in these plagues that now fall. Let my people go. Let my people go. Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Thus says the Lord, let my people go. He comes one day, one plague comes, one follows another. Thus says the Lord, let my people go. I, I put beside uh, your first point, Psalm 103.7, He made known His ways to Moses. That's such a wonderful part of Psalm 107. And it reminds us of this. God always prepares His messengers with the Word of God and the, and the promises of God and what they shall expect as they go. You know what the Lord Jesus said to His disciples? When you go, some of you are going to die. In fact, all of them died as martyrs except John. All of them. You're going to stand for me, and I'll tell you what, you, God, I will put in your mouth what you need to say when you stand before the authorities who are going to abuse you and mistreat you. You're going to be treated, you're going to be treated like scum. You're going to be treated as if you're an unessential, unimportant person. The Lord told the disciples everything that was going to happen, and He has told us what's going to happen because the end is near. Because the end is near. The end is is near. So the Lord always prepares His people to speak His Word and allows them to know what to expect as they go. So God always sends a messenger, and I wonder tonight, who is God sending you to? Who are you being sent to? Who's coming around your life? Who's, who's around you and interested in being with you, if someone is drawn to you in relationship, give it an opportunity to share the gospel. Don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it, my brothers and sisters. Don't miss it. Please share the gospel. So unrepentant sinners harden their hearts and resist and refuse to obey God's word, warning of coming judgment. So I want you to see this uh, interesting phrase. Many people have trouble with this. So I will harden Pharaoh's heart, verse 3, that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. You see, there are two sides to this matter of our heart, whether we will believe or not believe, and then God's response to our belief or unbelief. This is just the matter of the way it works. There are two. We have human responsibility to either believe what God has said, or live in unbelief. If we live in unbelief, God allows what happens with unbelief to happen. This is very important. Callousness and hard-heartedness grows with continued unbelief. Did you hear what I said? Callousness and hard-heartedness grows with continued unbelief. But when we trust God, He breaks our heart. He shatters our callousness. He tenderizes our heart as the Word of God tells us about the new covenant promise in Jeremiah. I'll put a new heart in you, not a heart of stone, hard-heartedness, a heart of flesh, moldable. This is what happens to us, my friends. There's no shock here that when the Word of God declares that God hardened his heart, it was because Pharaoh chose to disbelieve 
to resist and refuse to obey God. When we do that, God gives us, this is important now, God gives us what we want, and the result is hardening of heart. God had said this to Moses back in Genesis 3.19. Look at this. Uh, just turn your Bible there. I don't have it in your notes. But I know this is when the Lord's telling Moses what he's going to encounter uh, when he goes on mission. Exodus 3.19. But I know that the, Lord, the, the king of Egypt will not. I know that the king of Egypt will not. 3.19. Permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, He will let you go. So, I want us to see here just this pattern of hard-heartedness in Pharaoh. So, God hardened his heart because he chose not to believe God and disobey God. In his pride... He stood against God's Word and he resisted doing what God said for him to do because he believed that he was greater than God. Who am I that I should obey God? This was, the, this was that initial response, as you remember, from uh, Pharaoh when Moses came and spoke to him. Who, who, who am I that I should obey God? That's what the sinful man or woman says in the world today. Who am I that I should obey God and not commit adultery? I can do it if I want to. Who, who is God that I can't have an abortion if I want one? Who, who is God that I can't covet and steal and lie and abuse and mistreat people? Who is God you see, this is where it begins. In defiance. Man in his defiance. Women in their defiance. I'm not going to be told by anybody what to do. What to obey or how to live. My way of living is my own way and I've made my own truth and I'm going to live in it. Who is God that I should obey Him? Those words of Pharaoh echo and that's where hardening of heart starts. If you have friends who will not believe, you must, you must appeal to them as often as you can. Please don't, please don't continue to live in unbelief. You will regret the outcome. So Aaron, uh, so they appear before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says in verse 9, work a miracle. Okay, show us what you got. You two old men, can you see him there in his royalty with all of his magicians and their demon magic? Now, there's demon magic here. The devil wants Pharaoh as the demon, as the devil wants the world. He, he has his demon magicians. And there they all are in their place with their demon. The demon magicians are ready. And here comes these two old elderly men in their 80s with their, with their staff talking about letting the masses of Israel to go. And, the Lord, and Pharaoh says, work a miracle. If you're from God, show me what you got. Show me what you got. Then you say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down. So the Lord's saying, this is what Pharaoh's going to say. Do a miracle. Show me what you got. 
So throw your staff down. So he throws his staff down as we know the story. And the demon, the demon magicians throw theirs down. They imitate making these serpents out of sticks. But the interesting thing is in verse 12 of 7, Aaron's staff swallows up their staffs. And then 13, we have the first reference. Yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he did not listen to them. Then in verse 14, the Lord said, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. Another sign of an unrepentant sinner is not that they will not, they refuse to listen to God. They, they rival. They say, look, I've got, I've got the things of the world that are just as good as what God can do. We all know in this world that there are those who really believe that one day they'll be able to stop people from dying. This is the goal of technology and science. They'll stop death. Death will end. Interesting. So Pharaoh says, show me what you got. I'll show you what I've got. I can rival you, God. I can rival you. I can imitate you. Well, in 14, he's, the, the Lord declares he's got a stubborn heart. Now notice in 7.22, I'm just going through the outline. Pharaoh's unconcerned with God's judgment. So the waters are bloodied. And he has false assurance in his magicians. So the Egyptians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts. So what happened? Well, the Lord said, He said, go to Pharaoh in the morning and take your, take your uh, staff and put it in the water and turn the water to blood. And it did. And notice the sadness of this. The waters of the Nile, the very life of the nation and all the waters of Egypt, they all turned to blood, and yet the Word of God says that the Egyptian magicians did it with their secret arts, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened again, and he did not listen to them as the Lord said. And then he has false repentance. So time goes by, the waters are bad, Pharaoh calls Moses back, he has, uh, he, he has a false repentance. He asked for the first time, pray to your Lord, pray to your God that he may remove the frogs. This is the second of these plagues, the frogs. Can you imagine? Frogs in the house, frogs in the bed, frogs in the refrigerator, frogs in the, frogs in the yard, frogs in the car, frogs, 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 frogs everywhere. And you can't get away from them. Frogs with the rich, frogs with the poor, frogs everywhere. Not only the nuisance of the frogs, but the sound of the frogs. Frogs everywhere. Finally, even Moses Pray to your Lord to remove the frogs from my people. I'll let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Oh, it's false repentance. It's the same thing that happens with hardened sinners. Oh, it's been hard for me right now. And you know, it's interesting. Sometimes they'll go to a Christian and say, pray for me. Pray for me. One of my men, one of our men in our church was talking to me about uh, a relationship he has with a man who's, who's not a believer. He's an atheist, declares himself an atheist, but his wife was... Uh, told by the doctors that she has terminal cancer. He knew, this man knew that his friend who's in our church was a believer and he, he says, will you pray for my wife? Oh, pray for your wife. I thought you didn't believe there was a God. You see, even the wicked unbeliever will, when it's really hard, ask for God's people to pray for them. 
Well, he asks for prayer, and he does this repeatedly, by the way. But it's false repentance. Look, pray for me. Give us relief. Exodus 8.15, Pharaoh's relief is, you know, he desires relief from his pain, but he renews his resistance. When he saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart. 8.32, Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he did not let the people go. Exodus 9.7, Pharaoh tests the word of God about protecting the livestock of Israel. There's been a promise made that God's going to take care of Israel and his people regardless of what happens to Egypt. Well, it's interesting, Pharaoh wanted to check it out. Exodus 9.7, Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead. This was when all the cattle of Egypt were destroyed. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not let the people go. The plague of the boils. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not listen, just as he had spoken to Moses. Hail falls on Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the sons of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken to him. Exodus 10, 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may perform these signs of mine among them. And Pharaoh's regret without repentance in Exodus 10, 16. Then Pharaoh hurriedly called for Moses and Aaron, and he said, I've sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Please forgive my sin only this once and make supplication to your Lord your God that he would only remove this death from me. And then we have in Exodus 10, 20, when God removed the locusts at Pharaoh's request, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the sons of Israel go. Pharaoh tells Moses to take the people, but don't take the flocks. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he was not willing to let them go. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. In fact, uh, I'll just point this out. That is the way that it ends this section before we come to talk about Passover. It's very interesting that in 1110, Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go. And that's how we begin here. Verse 3 of chapter 7, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. It's the story of a hard-hearted man who never would listen to God. You see, God in times of judgment brings promised judgment on unrepentant sinners. I'm not going to go into detail. I've listed under number three the plagues. Water turns to blood. Frogs over the land. Swarms of flies. Or you... You may call them gnats. They were biting insects. The Hebrew word is that they're biting insect. I don't know which is, which is worse. All you farmers. Which would you rather have? Gnats or flies? Take your pick. Maybe it was both. Gnats and flies. Everywhere. All the way. All the place. You couldn't get enough of those fly sticks to get rid of them all. You all know what a fly stick is? Some of you are looking at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, it hangs from the den. The flies get on it and they stick to it. You can't stop them. They were everywhere. The cattle die. Boils on the people. I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you've ever had a boil. But you know what a boil is like on your body. Boils all over your body. Hail falls from the sky and the locusts cover the land and darkness comes for three days. Darkness. And the firstborn of, Israel, of, of Egypt, they were, all, they were killed. Judgment is real and judgment is coming. 
and God will again shake the earth. And as Peter reminds us, my dear friends, the earth will dissolve in great heat. And then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. God always protects His people in times of judgment. What is fascinating about these plagues, and I didn't go into them in detail because you know them so well, I wanted you to see because I think the theme is the judgment of God on hard-hearted sinner. But here's the people of God enduring this. They're not removed, they're in it, and yet they're protected in it. Isn't that interesting? I've given it to you here. Here's the promise in verse 4. I will bring out my hosts, my people, the sons of Israel from the land of Egypt. So on in 8.22, on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in your midst. Exodus 9, 4 and 6, but the Lord made a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the sons of Israel, not one died. Exodus 9, 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Exodus eleven seven. but against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark. Whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Exodus eleven twenty three. They did not see one another, nor did anyone else rise from his place, because it was dark. But this is the darkness for three days. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. The light was with Israel, and all of Egypt was dark. Deep darkness. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. In Exodus 11, that section, we have the story as they're preparing to go, uh, that uh, they went to their neighbors and they asked for articles of silver and gold. And the, the Egyptian neighbors of the Israelites gave them, loaded them down with riches. God's favor on His people in times of judgment. There's a lot I could say about that, but I want to move on. When God's judgment comes on unrepentant sinners, they see the glorious power of God. And this is verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring the sons of Israel from their midst. Judgment reveals the perfect righteousness of God. If God does not judge sin, He is not a righteous God. If God does not judge sin... And unrepentant sinners, he is not a righteous God. This is important for us to understand. This is the purity and justice and holiness and majesty of our God. By this you shall know that I am the Lord, Exodus 7, 17. I will strike the waters. Exodus 8, 9, the magician said to Pharaoh, we can't do this, this is the finger of God. Even the demon-possessed magicians of the Egyptians doing their satanic magic had to declare, this is from God, this is, we can't do it. We can't duplicate God's power in creation and over creation. Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let him go, that they may serve their God. Do you not realize that Egypt is destroyed? 
Exodus 14, 4, when Israel was in the wilderness, thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his armies and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. This is the continued message. They will know that I am God. Judgment will reveal that I am the Lord. When Jesus Christ comes in that great and glorious time of the day of the Lord and the day of judgment, it will be to declare the glory of God. And we have the songs of the revelation over and over declaring this. Finally, God hears the prayer, the prayers of intercessors for unrepentant sinners. I, I wanted to just read to you chapter 8, verses uh, 12 and 13. Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had in, uh, inflicted upon Pharaoh. But the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. But when Pharaoh saw they were relieved, he hardened his heart. And I've given you the other examples of where, Mo, where Pharaoh asked for prayer. How we must pray as intercessors in this wicked day in which we live. I wonder tonight, do you just complain to your friends about how terrible things are? Or do you pray for the lost in these terrible days? Do you pray for lost people? Do you just pray for your family? You just pray for your own personal needs? Do you ever pray for the lost? We're commanded to pray for the lost. We're we must pray for people who are in their sins. Moses could have said to Pharaoh, No, you're getting what you deserve. You are arrogant, you are pompous, you are hard hearted. You think you know more than God? I'm not going to pray for you. But he went out and he prayed. And if you read these carefully, how Moses and Aaron prayed, they prayed with passion that God would remove these plagues from a wicked king who was doing nothing but abusing his power over the people of Israel. And yet, God's people pray for those who despitefully use them. Isn't that what the Lord said to do? Pray for those, pray for your enemies, and pray for those who despitefully use you. Well, things to remember, I'll just re review them. I've got three minutes and we'll be done. Number one, the glory of God is revealed in the judgment of unrepentant sinners. I've quoted here in detail from chapter 9, verses 14 to 17. For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you may know that there is not one like me in all the earth. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would then have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. The message of God to an arrogant, unrepentant sinner named Pharaoh. You're still alive because of my patience in order that the glory of God may be seen when you're judged. Unrepentant sinners many times ask for prayer in their pain, but they never intend to repent. I'm so glad that in my life I 
sense the need to be saved, not from my circumstances, but from my sin. And a lot of people think being saved is being saved from our troubles and saved from our circumstances. A lot of people will ask you to pray for them. Like a fellow said to me one time, what could it hurt? What could it hurt? I still remember him doing that. Doing just, what could it hurt? Unrepentant sinners many times ask for prayer in their pain, but they never intend to repent. But you know what? We pray for them anyway. We pray for them. Unrepentant sinners grow stronger in their resistance to God the longer they refuse to repent. I must read this to you. This is too, this is too important. I must. Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Uh, Paul's describing how we've been saved from living like sinners. And in Ephesians 4.17, if you want to read it or look at it or mark it. So this I say to you, I'm saying it to you as followers of Jesus also, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walked in the futility of their mind. Now notice the pattern here. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. Notice, because of the hardness of their heart. And they have become callous. The word in the Greek means no feelings and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Sensuality would give them some sense of feeling, though they're without feeling in their heart. Their conscience is branded. The longer you live in unbelief, the harder your heart gets. And the farther you go from God. God in His wrath gives unrepentant sinners over to their sins. That's the story of Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men and women who suppress the truth of God's Word. The Word of God says these things about us and what we're to do and not do, but they suppress the truth and unrighteousness and their minds are become futile, and then they are completely twisted and perverted into all kinds of actions, and they finally God gives them over to their sin. That's what it means when God hardens the heart. He gives sinners what they want. God's people must pray on behalf of unrepentant sinners. And what did the Lord Jesus say? Unrepentant sinners will ignore God's Word and His ways of judgment until the very end. We'll close with these words and, and may the Lord bless you. It's been great to see you, but listen to these words. Luke 17, I didn't have them in your notes. Luke 17, beginning in verse 26, the Lord Jesus said, just as it happened in the days of Noah, Luke 17, 26, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, when Jesus is coming again. They will be eating and they will be drinking and they will be marrying and they will be given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. 28, it was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on that day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Listen to the words of the Lord as I finish here. Luke 17, 30, it will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed.
May God have mercy on those who will not repent. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word and we're sobered by it tonight. We have been saved from the wrath to come. Praise God. As, Sean, as, as, as we sang earlier tonight, as we were singing and we sang about Your grace and mercy and Your love, that Your goodness is the only reason why we're saved. The goodness of God leads to repentance. How I pray for those that we know. How each of us should pray for those in our lives. Who, may they see the goodness of God. and May they repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved from the wrath to come. And we thank You that You've saved us from wrath, but may we go back out and appeal to others to come in to the ark of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the blessing of it. And thank You for our time in it. May it do us good, and may we be doers of Your Word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. It's great to see all of you. Say hello to someone on your way out. Hope you'll be with us Sunday. Uh, Sunday I begin to talk about a subject I'm really burdened to talk to our church about called Hope in God. And uh, I would simply say to you that in the times in which we live and the trials in my own life, I'm going to say this repeatedly, you might as well start hearing it, I am more hopeful today than I've ever been in my entire life. And I hope you can say the same. So I'm going to give you my confession of the hope that's in me over the next few weeks. And perhaps some of you will join me in saying, yes, that's the way I am also. God bless you. Have a great week. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday. Have a good evening. We love Baptist babies. We've got another one in here. Way to be. Way to be, Joneses. Keep it up. Quiet. Silas started us off. He was in here. I mean, here we are, man. We're back. How old? Five weeks in church. Now mark that down. Write that down. Bless you all. Have a good evening.